The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. My name is Adrian. I've been uh, serving at Mosaic for about five years now. I help lead up what's called Serve LA. It's our Mosaic's way to connect into the community and be a part of what God's doing in the city. And so it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. So, um, and we're excited that all you guys came out today. And thank you for braving uh, this new environment. I know it's sometimes tough to find the new place and to get here and then to sit and to, to be uh, inside this uncertain. The first, first gathering is this stuff was falling down and tumbling, but I think we've secured everything. So uh, does everybody have insurance here? No? No? Okay. But thank you guys for being here. I know I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad you guys actually kind of saved me. I was up at Highlander this weekend. You guys, you guys heard of Highlander before? A little bit? Yeah. So Highlander is this, uh, it's an event in the mountains. It's with guys. You've heard about it? It's awesome. It's um, an opportunity for guys to get together and grunt a little bit and, you know, cuss under their breath a little bit. And uh, there's a lot of flatulence in my cabin, if you're following. No? Uh, but it was, uh, it was a great experience. You know, we, I, I was actually partnered up with a couple of your like, hometown Whittier folks, Tim and Corey. Tim, yeah, uh, they are, they're such phenomenal people, and they were helping to volunteer to make the whole thing happen. So the whole weekend is a competition all day long on Saturday, some Friday night, all day long on Saturday, and some in the morning. And uh, I got to come back last night because I am, I am not getting any younger. Is anybody, anybody over the age of 30? Yeah? Can I, can I hear from you if you're over the age of 30? A little, okay, if you're under the age of 30, can I hear from you? Woo! Wow! Wow. Awesome. Um, well, I, I'm 30 now and I'm going to be 30 in a, in a couple months. And so I'm starting to feel all the effects. And when I was younger, I used to be able to just out compete and outperform the rest. And I've realized that uh, now I'm like out complaining the rest. I, I went up to actually your own Tim because he was one of the referees on, on uh, in the football field, the football competition. And I love to compete in the football competition. That's like, that's like my sport that I want to go and win in. And we we're usually get a team that's pretty competitive. So I ended up going up to Tim first, and I've, I've been known to have a competitive streak. Anybody else have a competitive streak? Say yes. Okay. Is anybody not like people with competitive streaks? Say yes. A couple of you. Okay. You're not going to like me. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a pretty good competitive streak, and, I, uh, and I'm pretty, like, a mouthy as is. And so I ended up going to Tim beforehand, and he was supposed to be one of the referees. And I said, Tim, now I'm going to say things... Uh, that they're going to be mean to you and about your mother and about everything that just happened. And I just want you to know, I don't mean it. I don't mean it. So, and I, you know, just to prep him, just in case I got in a, in a, in a, of bad sorts. But, uh, but then I said, you know, sometimes I can control my tongue, but then at times I just can't control my expressions. You know, does anybody ever come up to you and you like, they're like, you're not happy about something. No, I guess my face can tend to be very expressive and it's the like, I think you're stupid face. So I told him, Tim, if I give you the, I think you're stupid face for making that call. I'm sorry. I don't mean it. I don't think you're stupid. We'll be, we'll be friends later. Um, but anyway, it was great to be able to come down the mountain, but it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's such a great experience to be there. It's once a year and it's tough and it's, uh, it's almost like a time to breathe for guys. Because I think the culture we're in right now and the moment we're in right now as a culture is a tough one, right? I mean, with the recession happening for the last, how long? A couple of years? 
A couple years of recession has been going on for two years. And if you're like me, you know, you were used to living at some kind of standard of living and some kind of, um, some kind of level. And then now that times are tougher and maybe, maybe for some of you have lost your jobs and some are looking for jobs now and some, you know, you've had to downsize or some of you had to pick up extra jobs just to kind of keep up. Um, the standard of living before, and I think for, for a lot of these guys this weekend, just a lot of the conversations were around the fact of, you know, life is just hard, and for these guys, it's, it, they, they need a space and need a time for, to be able to talk. You know, women, you guys have got it easy. You ladies have got it easy, where you can just call up a friend and have a deep conversation about life and how you're feeling and how things are going right away, right? Don't you girls have girlfriends you can do that with? No? You're looking for it? How, how many guys this last week, you just call up a friend just to talk? Right. So this is what Highlander affords. So thank you. So we ended we end up having this big weekend about competition, but really it becomes after like the first 12, 13 hours, guys start, you know, uh, bonding together a little bit. And then it, we can, there's these, these environments where we can actually just relate and talk. And I think it's, it's hard um, with, this, with this moment we're at in our culture um, where all the things naturally have gone towards what can we collect and what can we have and what can we um, attain and what can we grab. And when all of us are struggling just to keep things afloat, I think right now this the American style of, of just if it's just consumerism or materialism or just plain old greed has really caught up with us. I don't know if you guys feel the strain, but I sure do. Times are, the culture is going this way, it wants us to go this way, and now we just have less tools to get there. And so there's, there's a strain on, on us on the insides of how do we really keep up? We couldn't really keep up before, but now how do we keep up now? And it's, there's part of it where it's just a challenging time for all of us. And so it was a great time in the mountains for these guys to just be able to relate and talk and, and hear somebody else's voice saying, you know what, it's tough for me too. It's tough for me too. Because we all need that kind of space, and I hope that you know Mosaic is a community. If there's anybody, if there's any place else that we can end up uh, relating to somebody else and say, you know, it's okay to be struggling. It's okay not to have stuff figured out. It's okay to be uncertain about where you're going to be and what you want to do, and the uh, way out. And maybe this community can be a way to help give arrows to our futures and give space um, for people to be in process. I hope that you've been able to find that before, and if not, I hope we can here in the future. But as uh, we're, we're about to start a journey together for three, for three weeks together called the, the Quest for Nobility. And the Quest for Nobility is one of, um, in some ways, the, the, word no, the word noble meaning just focused on that which is most important. Focused on that which is most important. So we're going to start a journey, and today we're going to talk about gratitude. And next week we're going to move on to wholeness and how do we find wholeness in ourselves and for our souls. Then the end goal, becoming people that are generous. But today we're, t- we're talking about gratitude and how can we actually choose, are there any decisions that we can make, small decisions we can make that for inside of our soul, inside of our heart, that on our deepest parts, is there a posture that we can choose that will actually help us take steps of health and character development in the future? Because I, I don't know if you're like me, but it, in times when I can't kind of personally advance externally... Like if I'm in a no-win situation, or if I can't take a step in my job, or if I can't, you know, upgrade to that new thing that I'm looking for, um, I, it's, oh, it's, it's a great opportunity to take a moment and a time out for us to say, what kind of internal steps can we take? So that's, one of the, that's the conversation we're going to have uh, for the next three weeks, is how do we take these internal steps to have, find a perspective and a posture of where we can grow in our character? So if you'll join me for just a second, and we'll pray together, and then we'll jump into some of the scriptures together.
God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that uh, you've gathered these folks together and we're here together. And I pray, God, that this time isn't a waste of time. I pray that our, our, our visits um, to a church setting are actually an, a, an invitation that we are saying to you, that we actually do want to meet you. We have, want to have a fresh conversation with you. And that we're opening up our souls saying, God, would you shine the light inside and show us? Show us how the, the culture has taught us and... God, will you show us the best way out? How do we fight greed in our lives, God? How do we take steps? So those are the questions we're asking for you this morning, God. I pray that you would speak and not me. And thank you that every single person sitting here under these tents is precious to you. And I pray that you would convince them of that in the next few minutes. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to jump into the scriptures. If you might be brand new to the scriptures, um, we're going to um, look at one that might be familiar to you or might be brand new. It's in the, the first book of the Bible. It's called Genesis. We're going to look at uh, chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. The serpent says, you will certainly not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Anybody heard this passage before? Yeah, so there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ways to, to look at this, and a lot of different conversations. A lot of, you, if this was a sponge, you could squeeze it many times and get different meanings out of it and different stories out of it. I want us to look at it from this perspective today, just because we're talking about um, how do we stop the grasp, how do we stop the, uh, I guess, the trap of greed. And so let's look at it, you use that perspective when we, when we take a look at this. Because in some ways, I mean, let me ask you this question. If you, say if you were given everything in the world except for one thing, would you have any want? If, if we naturally just kind of want the next thing, right, that's maybe part of the human soul, like there's always a search for just one more thing. You know, none of us would probably say we want the whole world, right? We wouldn't say that out loud. But, it, but if you're like me, sometimes when you've got 10, you just want 11, you got 11, you just want 12. I don't want 20, I just want 12. I'm working hard. I just want one more thing. And, and if you can imagine that you have everything in the whole world except for one thing, it's probably tough to imagine that. But surely we would think if we were in that situation, we had the whole world except for one thing, that we'd be satisfied with the whole world. Well, this is a scenario the way that Adam and Eve find themselves. And they've got the entire world except for one thing. And now the challenge is brought to them because, of course, the, the serpent, Satan, comes up to him and says, well, why don't you take the whole deal? God's holding this thing out for you. What, and what if, what, the question is, what if, what if the serpent was right? Are there any times in our lives or anything we see in the lives of the people around us where we feel like God's holding out on us? I mean, obviously we see that all too often in the form of adultery, where uh, somebody's not your wife and they choose to go take that. 
where God, where God has given you a wife that's beautiful and wonderful and, and has, is a part of you now. If you guys were married uh, with God at the center of your lives, you guys now are fused together. But instead of being satisfied with what you've been given, you, did, you just decide to go take something else that's not yours. And lust, and lust in, in its context, period, is just a, a, an endless um, search because of an unsatisfied heart. An endless search because of an unsatisfied heart. So we get to see here in Adam and Eve that they were satisfied before until the serpent comes in and says, well, maybe God's holding out on you. And so all of a sudden, they choose um, to operate out of that paradigm of greed and say, well, maybe God is holding out on us. Maybe we do need every single thing. And they go and eat of the tree and then they choose their death. Because after that, of course, now they find themselves naked. They find themselves ashamed. Has your, has your greed ever made you feel ashamed? Have you ever made a mistake? Ever gone after something you know you shouldn't have gone after? Done something you shouldn't have done? And then you find yourself feeling shamed and lonely? Because I've been there. And so this is, this is the situation that Adam and Eve uh, find themselves in, is that greed, even in the garden that was almost perfect, uh, they, they still had this insatiable desire for more. And we might say, that's unfair, right? So if they can't get it right, how could we ever get it right, right? So now uh, the pressure's off. If Adam and Eve couldn't get it right, I think we all find ourselves in uh, difficult situations like this. And today is just a conversation of maybe, hopefully, being, all of us being willing to kind of let God uh, texturize our souls and, and bring ourselves some new questions and maybe ask our hearts some new questions so that maybe together we can take some steps. So that's what happened uh, to Adam and Eve. I don't know if you've ever... Um, have you guys ever... Anybody seen the movie Ten Items or Less? It's It's... A, Yes, in the corner. Thank you. Um, Ten Times Less is a doc. It's a uh, sorry. It's an independent film, uh, actually produced by Morgan Freeman. If you like, you might like Morgan Freeman. Say yes. Yes. Uh, what's, what's your favorite Morgan Freeman movie? Favorite role he was in? Shawshank. Shawshank? Robin Hood. Anybody? Anybody love it? Yeah. Any other movies? Morgan Freeman movies? There's so many. Bruce Almighty, ah, when he plays God, Morgan. Uh, anyway, this, this one, Ten Items or Less, is a small independent film. It's fascinating. It's really cool. He actually plays an actor that is uh, researching a part that is kind of way below his pay grade. He was big time, uh, the type of big time, like uh, you go into any kind of, any of the grocery stores or whatever, you'd always see his VHS right there. It's kind of older school, but it's like a VHS right there, and he saw his face. And, so he used to be big time, and now he's low, now he's like, in some ways, having to, having to take a role that's kind of shameful or whatever. He's kind of getting back into it. And he's, he's at this supermarket, um, kind of researching this new role. And he's working with a little bitty independent company in Hollywood. And uh, I love his character. And here's the main reason why I love his character. Because he uh, kind of never meets a stranger. Do you guys have any friends in your life that never meet a stranger? And they're always talking to people and it's embarrassing to you? Yeah? Are you, is anybody that person? That embarrasses your loved ones because no matter where you go, you make friends? That's me. Um, yeah, so sometimes I'm just, you know, I find p- people, things interesting. But his character, you know, no matter where he went throughout the movie, he ended up meeting this, this little gal that was a checkout teller, and he wanted to help her make it real big. And so he helps her um, by 
getting her an interview and then helps her decide what, and all, the, this whole journey to the end, you have to watch the movie to see what happens, if the girl gets the job or not, or what ends up happening to him and if he takes his job. It's a fascinating thing, but in, in, uh, she is so embarrassed by him. And one of the favorite lines of the movie for me is that as, as, as she said, boy, why do you keep, would you please be quiet? Like she's always talking to him and he says, just so simply, I just really love people. Because every place in the movie that he went to, he ended up finding somebody to talk to about something that they were interested in. And it was, he was like some kind of compelling person, not because he was always this one that always needed to be talking, but he ended up finding the best out of every situation he was in. I love people like that. And there's, there's something about gratitude where um, if you've got a posture of really always looking for something to celebrate, you can always find it. And this guy's a guy that's lost his top of his career. Now he's at the bottom. But no matter where he's at, he ends up finding something he can celebrate. If, if uh, Just looking at this uh, story about Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, if we, if we, what they decided is not to have a heart of gratitude, but to have a heart of greed, and they found death. And so some way, in some ways to flip that is to have a heart of gratitude is to, is to be able to find life in every moment. When I'm here, I mean, you, when you guys came here, was anybody disappointed? You don't have to answer that. If you're used to being inside, right? You're used to being in a place where, you know, there's air conditioning. Things are predictable. We go where we went last week. Um, you know, we kind of know what to expect. Sometimes whenever we find ourselves in a place like this, when I walked, when I walked in here, I thought it was awesome. Just because maybe I'm just drawn to anything that's kind of rogue or something that's like uh, off the beaten path or a little bit uh, unpredictable, a little bit uh, sketchy. Then during the last service, there was, we were, they were pitting each other against each other. Like there was going to be an alley fight going on, which I thought would have been an awesome story. Like church in Whittier gets in, in rumble. I thought that was going to be in an alley. I mean, isn't that perfect? We're in a setting where something bad could go down. But I think, you know, this is... People that have a heart of gratitude can step in any moment and find something that's worth, you know, worth celebrating. I mean, all of us probably have a different perspective on what today and this environment and all this kind of stuff affords us or what it can give us. I meet people all the time that are, because that, that, I work down at the Mayan nightclub. Has anybody been to the Mayan before? Yeah, Mosaic at the Mayan. You guys should come check us out sometime. It's at night, so it's really fun. And I met this guy um, a couple weeks ago. That had been, you know, I, I'm walking around the lobby and, and uh, he, um, he's walking through and uh, I kind of, I can, I can tell like he's, he's on the, he's uh, not connected to anybody, but in some ways he had this feel of like he didn't want to be connected to anybody. I don't know if you ever meet somebody like that. We, and here's how you know, is you walk up to me and you said, hi, how you, how you doing? They're like, who are you? It's as if like this is whole, this is their space and you just entered it. Are you that kind of person? Uh, anyway, so this guy, I walk up to him and say hello, and he's like, gives me the backup, and I'm like, okay, well, I figure I'll give him a shot, try to say hello, and uh, I, he said he'd been here for a couple years, or he'd been here, used to go to Mosaic, and then was gone for a couple years, and now he's kind of come back, and he was saying he, he met a couple people that he used to be in a small group with or something, but he's like, but you know, nobody here, I can't really connect with anybody here, and he hadn't been there in two years, and uh and I said, well, what about those people that you knew before? And he's like, well, I'm not that interested. And I'm just flabbergasted by his honesty. 
And then, uh, you know what's interesting, then he's turned to me and, and asked me a question. And he says, are there any elders here? Which I found a really interesting question. Are there any elders here? And I, you know, and it's the mine, which is the youngest venue of all mosaic, you know. And then so I said, well, what do you mean by elders? He's like, oh, just older people to be able to learn from. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're not really at the Mayan. I mean, you know, you got places. You, you, you can go to Pasadena. You can, um, you know, Octavio's old, so you can come over here. And, uh, you know, since he's not in the room, I can speak of him. <laughs> or not in the alley, I can speak of him. Um, you know, and there's all these different places you can go. But here it's kind of tough. And I just, I just so happened, my buddy uh, walked by who had been at Mosaic for only a year. And he actually accepted Christ in Mosaic, started this whole new spiritual journey at Mosaic. And uh, I kind of knew him, so it was kind of a little bit of a setup. But as he walked up, and my buddy's 34, and uh, the guys who communicated to mine are like late 20s. And I said, so, uh, my buddy, we'll call him, we'll call him uh, Frank. I said, so, Frank, hey, how, how long have you been coming to the mine? Oh, you've been coming a year. It's like, and how old are you? I'm 34. Great. So what does it feel like to have all these people that are leading uh, that are younger than you? He said, oh, that's all I've ever known. And uh, this guy, like, the, you could definitely tell there's a difference in, in the two perspectives at the moment. One is that this guy that I, that I just met, his heart was really unteachable. And we'd just gotten done finishing a gathering where uh, the guy on stage, Hank, um, who's a younger guy, had just given a talk that had, motive, had moved so many people, including myself. And one of those talks, it's just a, it's a paradigm shifter. And you think, man, I, I, I'm going to see God differently from here on out because of what Hank revealed to me. And I didn't care how old Hank was, but this guy definitely had a, a, a set of what he was going to learn and who he was going to learn from. And if he wasn't inside that paradigm, then uh, he was going to be—he was going to be very resistant to anything that God had brought him that might have been helpful to him. And um, so, as the conversation moved forward, and you know, my buddy Frank was there and just said exactly what I needed him to say. Um, I ended up having a conversation with him, saying, you know, with this guy that I just met, saying, you know, we're all kind of lucky, you know, if if, that, if 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 chronology or if age is your is your uh, standard for what, who you're willing to hear from. You're lucky, you know, you weren't there at the day of Pentecost. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what happens in the early, in the early church in the Acts chapter 2 is that these disciples who were young guys, uh, most scholars say teenagers, um, now all of a sudden God is speaking in them and through them to the whole world saying the, the whole story of humanity is going to change and it happens through teenagers. So I just said, man, you're lucky you weren't there. And he kind of looked at me like, I'm, I'm not lucky talking to you. I wish I was gone. I ended up writing him an email later and saying, hey man, sorry about the Pentecost kind of thing. I was just kind of fired up. Um, but there's something about when you're talking to somebody that um, has got natural gratefulness where they're seeing opportunities and seeing um, beauty that's happening around them. And they're really alive in the moment. And there's something when you talk to somebody that's really just so fragmented and doesn't have uh, uh, really space in their soul to give anything. And all they want to do is take. Do you guys have friends like that? Where they're just going through a rough time. I think you can chronically be like this, but all of us in different seasons just have times where we're just, uh, we're a black hole. All we want to do is, is, is suck in and take and take. And in reality is for all of us that have friends like that, that are in a really tough place, if, that it's going to be hard for you to ever be able to give them something that will fill that hole. See, gratitude is actually a, a, a choice and it's an option for those uh, that want to get out of prison. 
Because really selfishness and caught up and greed where everything has to come your way is a form of prison. I mean, let's, let's flip to, an, to another passage here. We're going to look at just a couple more. Uh, Exodus chapter 15. Now, um, the uh, Exodus, the book is about the Exodus, right? Charlton Heston. Going to the, you guys have seen it? Nope. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's the story of the Israelites being freed from Egypt and move on to God's promised land. Great story. And this, in chapter 15, what's just happened is they've just gone through uh, the, the, uh, the Red Sea, right? The parting of the Red Sea. Heston's there with his thing and he hits it, right? And then the walls come up and wouldn't it have been awesome? How would it not have been muddy? You ever thought about that? Anyway, so that has just happened. And after that, as soon as they get across... They start singing this song. Moses for, is probably like the first freestyle rapper. If you see this in chapter 15, or in, uh, chapter 15 of Exodus, uh, it's, it's a song that he makes up on the spot. You know, it's literally referencing things that had just happened. So he is like the first guy throwing it down. So anyway, verse uh, 20 is when Miriam, uh, the, uh, the prophet Aaron's sister, took a trimble, our, our timbrel, I don't know what that is, in her hand. And all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. And Miriam sang, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Can you say that? Very good. Next one. Uh, but the horse, uh, both horse and driver, he has hurled into the sea. Yeah, that's like the chorus, right? So we're going to no. Um, but you know, that that's, there it is. So Miriam was, was, was laying that down. And then, and then verse 22, Moses, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went to the desert of Shur for days. They traveled in the desert without finding water. And then they came to Marah. Um, they could not drink the water because it was bitter. And that's why the place was called Marah. And so the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Interesting moment here in Israel's history, right? So they've just been free, been freed from slavery that they've been crying out to God for just three days before. Their children were being whipped. They were being beaten. They had lost their identities. They were sweating and their family members were dying in the hot sun. Three days before. And now, three, just three days later, they're, they're complaining they're grumbling. The question for us is that comes so easily out of this passage is how big of a God moment must he give that we would actually be satisfied? And how long does that God moment last before we naturally start complaining again? Haven't we all had moments where we've been crying out to God or we've been praying, maybe just aimlessly trying to see if God would listen to us and we would, and then something happens and maybe, maybe that prayer is fulfilled or maybe the situation resolves itself and you attribute it to God because you've been praying for it. And how long does it take us to start grumbling again? How long does it take us to really lose our heart of gratitude? It took the Israelites three days. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which, uh, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, they had come out. The desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Uh, the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Um, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the foods we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Isn't that crazy? See, the thing about whenever we lose our heart of gratitude is that it glorifies our past and gives us disdain for this moment. 
is if we lose our heart, we end up thinking that what was what we used to have was the best thing we could have had. And where we're at right now, there's nothing viable here. So easily the Israelites thought, man, I'd rather be slaves than be right here together with you guys and be free. And so for some ways, their freedom was their prison. It didn't take long for them to lose their heart of gratitude and to start complaining again because internally they became slaves again. They became, they became slaves of their past. You know, there's, um, there's a big difference when people can you know, live in this glorious past or actually if they can engage this moment, but also if they can move into the future. I mean, this community at Whittier um, is an amazing community. It has been. It has been growing. It's been phenomenal. And now you're at this beautiful time of uncertainty where you're meeting in alleyways and you don't know what's going to happen next week. The beautiful thing about gratitude is it actually makes you travel ready. Because there's no promises from God that the, that the future is actually going to be certain, right? We might have gotten that lie before, is that, the, that if you start to follow God, everything's going to go well, everything's, um, uh, the, the road is going to be straight, and the road is going to be paved well, and you're not going to have, Trump, you're not gonna have um, troubles along the way, you're not going to trip, you're not going to fall, but that's just not true. I mean, even as, just, just even as recent as today, we move uh, from inside to outside, and we've just got to make it work. And no matter what our personality is, gratitude can help to create adaptability and flexibility inside of our character. Because if, just like with, uh, with the Israelites and Moses, there's always going to be moments where we can decide that we have to have things our way. And when we don't have things our way, and then we get really inflexible in our character, that we start to push people away. Some people call that perfectionism. I don't know if any of you might struggle with perfectionism. It's been part of my story is that, you know what? That I've, I'm, I know where I'm at right now. I know where I want to get in the future. And we're going to do it this way. And if somebody can't contribute in that certain way, man, I've just lost my heart of gratitude. Because I've pushed them away because I've, I've, I've stopped being able to see what they actually have to offer and have to bring to the table. You guys ever struggle with that? Ever find times where um, you just um, are looking for one specific thing and if something can't, somebody can't bring that to you, then you just, lose, uh, uh, you just lose your positive outlook on whoever that person is. And don't, you're, you're not, not only are you not able to relate to them in the way and help work on this project together, but actually your friendship suffers for good because you've, you've um, lost your capacity to celebrate who they are, even if who they are isn't what you needed. You know, they're... Uh, there's some New Testament situations or scenarios like this, and uh, we're going to look at one in Luke chapter 17. This is in the life of Jesus, a really short, easy story. You guys might have heard it before. Luke chapter 17, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border of Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a, large, in a, in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, uh, he saw that he was healed and he came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus's feet and thanked him because he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. And where are the other nine? And was no one found to return and give praise to God except his, except this foreigner. And then he said to him, rise up and go for your faith has made you well. See, not only does uh, gratitude help you be ready to live in the moment and be able to catch the beauty of what's around you, like with Adam and Eve, and not only does gratitude make you travel ready for the Israelites, 
because we're more flexible and more adaptable and we accept the leaders that are with us and we accept the people around us and we're able to celebrate them and their story together. But also having a heart of gratitude actually positions ourselves, positions our hearts to be able to accept God's grace. It's a fascinating story, um, the fact that Jesus is walking through Samaria, those that were not, would not have been followers with God, and he sees these lepers, which obviously is a disease that would not only, it was the worst, you know, communicable disease at, at the time, leave sores all over you, but also leave you very isolated and alone, as you guys might have known before, but they'd put them in leper colonies, and so as Jesus is walking by, these guys are supposed to yell, unclean, unclean, so Jesus stays away. Uh, I don't think it's hard to tell. You know, if you're a leper and if you had these sores all over your body. But they decide not to yell that, but they decide to reach out and cry out for God. Say, Rabbi, would you please heal us? And Jesus, of course, approaches them and does things we expect Jesus to do, which is to heal these guys. Sends them off to the priest because that's what you're supposed to do, is go to the priest and get cleansed. And then uh, only one guy comes back. And I find it interesting what they end up saying about him. If I just revisit verse 15, one of them, he saw... Um, he was healed. He came back praising God in a loud voice and he threw himself to Jesus' feet and thanked him for he, and he was a Sumerian. The question there for me is, and maybe for us, is when does our voice get loud? Really, what makes our voice get loud? If There are many things that can get us fired up and obviously here in this Samaritan situation, because he's received from God, because he not, he not only received something great from God and he was thankful for it, but he actually wanted to come back and thank God for it. And so his voice got loud because he wanted to say thank you to God for it. And I'm wondering, even in our own lives, if that could be our story or how often do we get fired up by something great in somebody else around us? Is there anybody else that we need to celebrate? I mean, um, for me, just a, just, a, uh, just a couple months ago, I called my, some of my professors in college. Some of my, I used to do nursing my first career. And so I called my nursing professors because I was taking a medical team to Haiti. And I just called them to thank them. Hey, I'm able to take a team to Haiti into the rubble outside of Port-au-Prince because what you guys did in my life. And I just said, thank you. And I got fired up just to say thanks to somebody. And so maybe where we're at today is um, there are things in our own lives that we just need to stop. If we find ourselves grumbling, we find ourselves really shut off. We find ourselves um, and it's in a place of despair that we think that God is not even present. We think that God is nowhere to be found inside some of these difficulties. And maybe we need to just take a time out and do an assessment and say, God, where are you present here? What can the future be? How can I be a part of creating that future? Because the goal isn't just to be able to live in the, you know, in the moment right now, but the, actually the goal of gratitude is it positions yourself to be willing to follow God into the uncertain future. And so with all of it, I'm going to challenge you guys today if, if you go home and eat with friends or family or whatever, or you just go out and about, is just to take, take a few minutes and say, what, and what in my life am I not celebrating? What have I been given that I, just, that I just feel like I'm entitled to and I need to stop and say thank you for? Are there any people that I haven't thanked recently? I've been trying for the last couple months a discipline of once a day, sending a text or an email to somebody um, that I know that I've seen them doing something great. And I just send them a text. Hey man, I saw you doing this. Thank you so much. Hey, I saw you doing, hey, I noticed. Hey, I saw, and you, and you know what? It makes, it gives you a whole new filter. If you're waiting to celebrate something, if the smallest thing can help your, you smile, if you're the one when the world, when the ship's going down and you're the one finding something for everybody to hold on to emotionally, 
hey, guys, we're going to get through this. If you're the one being able to point out something where, where it seems like a, a, a moment that is void of God, but you're the one that's able to find that, that single thread of hope. That you will be one of the most magnetic people around. Let me pray for us this morning. God, I thank you for all these people here and your work inside their lives and your challenge for us to be people of gratitude. Your challenge for us to be the ones that are the uh, believers that um, it's going to work out. And we're the ones that, uh, that you challenge, God, to help find the best in the people around us. And you're the ones that you have given hope to. And so I pray, God, that um, all of us would find, take a look inside of our souls and that we, you'd let us, that we, that we would let you texture that. And we would let you write on that and we would let you evaluate that and we would be in a place and an openness that we would want to have our characters developed so we are ones that don't think the world needs to be about us but we start to say thank you for the world that we have and believe uh, in the world that you will help us create. So God, help us uh, here at Mosaic Whittier. God, as you're writing the future here, help us, God, to be thankful for what we have right now and be willing to work hard um, with the leadership here, God, to go create the future. So we thank you for this alley. We thank you for these chairs. We thank you for these tents. And we thank you for this beautiful day. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.